And welcome back, everyone, to yet another edition of Going for Two, presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel. I am your host, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. I am joined here, as always, by my colleague at D1 Ticker, Brian Fisher. And we are recording this here on the afternoon of Thursday the 18th. You would expect we would want to talk about the Big Ten's new television deal. This is the major sports business off the field story that, that would be going on right now, right? That's the reasonable expectation. Um, that is a reasonable expectation. But here going for two, and especially at extra points, we believe in counter-programming. And also we believe in sticking to publishing schedules because uh, there's a bunch of other things going on. <laughs> it's hard to pivot. So we're not going to do that today. We're going to talk about the opposite of the Big Ten. We're going to talk about the SEC. We've been doing conference previews here. We're bringing in my old buddy from SB Nation. Uh, he's working on a bunch of projects with a bunch of my old buddies, Richard Johnson. He's been on this show here before. We're going to break down the SEC, um, what, what to expect for this season. If you want Big Ten new uh, television deal news, you're in luck. I'm going to write about it for Extra Points. That Extra Points newsletter will be free. It will publish on Friday the 19th. So you can still have access to, you know, what we were hearing from texting people and, and, and what this means for a bunch of other stuff. Uh, you're just going to have to read the words instead of having me read them to you. Uh, I hope that will be okay with you. Yeah, we're just uh, counter-programming like the Puppy Bowl, you know. Super Bowl. This this is just the exact same thing. Only we're doing it with the uh, the reigning national champions in, in, in the conference that uh, loves to crow about football. So uh, you know what? It, it, it'll be fun because uh, in terms of intriguing storylines, um, you know, we said this about some of the other conferences, but the the SEC maybe have have less you know in terms of like real drama outside of Auburn. But like there, there's a lot of you know stories that, that you can kind of latch on to a, a lot of these teams. And and that's kind of starts at the top with Alabama consensus number one. And uh, you can kind of go all the way down to uh, the very bottom of the league um, with some some interesting things that you can ch chat about. Yeah, uh, you always know in these previews, we're going to talk about the worst team in the league. So there will be some Vanderbilt conversation, just like we talk about UConn, just like we talk about um, the dregs of, of, of other leagues. But we know who's going to win, probably. We probably know who's going to be at the bottom. But in the middle... There's a lot of interesting things. I just realized we barely talked about Georgia, the, the team that was the defending national champions. There's not a lot of Georgia talk on this show. It's, it's interesting because it, it seems like that's the kind of the case, you know, kind of throughout kind of cultural yeah. media going in, into the season. Uh, you know, and if there is any chatter about Georgia, it's it's kind of focused on two things. It's how are they going to replace all these guys on, on defense, which, well, they have a whole new crop of five and four stars that uh, have, have been waiting in the wings and played quite a bit last year in, in a lot of those blowouts. So they, they've got some seasoning as well. On top of that, you know, like there's there's not questions about Stetson Bennett like there were say this time last year. So I, I feel like a lot of the questions have been asked and answered for, for Georgia and they've kind of flown under the radar, which is weird because they, they, they could be not quite as good uh, as, as they were last year overall as a team, but they could still end up with the same record. You, you never know. We, we kind of saw that with Alabama in terms of their rebuilding year, quote unquote. And we'll get into that with, with, with Richard here in a second. Yeah, yeah let's, let's go bring him on here and let's make Richard answer for his crimes, uh, saying that Alabama was rebuilding last year. Richard, Thank you so much for taking some time here to chat with us. It's always nice to be able to have you on on our show and to be able to chat on the air instead of just uh, you know on the phone all the time. Uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, uh, listen, I I, I want to talk about this season first. We were just talking on air, uh, off air about this, and I feel like it's important to to remind our audience about it on Split Zone Duo and uh, across social media. You last year got a lot of attention by staking out a claim that this uh, Alabama was citrus bowl bound. There's like secret, you know, the, the, this is a two loss Alabama team. This is not the Alabama team that were tipped that, that, that you would normally expect here. They made the championship game 
but you and I were talking that spiritually anyway, you were right, right? Spiritually, spiritually I was right. Now, look, it, it is... It is an insane ode to Nick Saban's prowess in program building that he is able to turn what he called last week, verbatim, by the way, kind of a rebuilding year, his words, into uh, essentially driving to score, uh, to to tie the national championship game. I mean, like, remember, before Keely Ringo took that back to the house, it wasn't like they were getting blown out. But yes, that Alabama team was not the Alabama team that we were accustomed to seeing. I said they were going to lose two two games. They didn't. They got so freaking close to doing so. Uh, If if Florida would have ran a different play for a two-point conversion, that game goes to overtime probably. Um, The LSU game broke the very long streak of scoring 30 more points a game. LSU had an incredible defensive game plan in that game and really challenged Alabama. Obviously, the Auburn game went to overtime. Um, there were there were multiple spots of vulnerability that that Alabama team had. And if you watch that Alabama team from week one to the national championship game, again, hilarious to think that they made the national championship game and had a fighting chance to win it and had the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, I get it. People are going to look at the results and say you're crazy. That Alabama team was not the Alabama team that we'd become accustomed to. It just wasn't. Again, it is a testament to what Nick Saban has built that you can have kind of a rebuilding year end the way it did. Yeah, it's a rebuilding year insofar as somebody who's playing NCAA 14 has a rebuilding year, and so they allow themselves one loss and then still go win the national championship game. And by by all accounts, this year's Alabama edition should have much more in common with the Alabama teams that maybe a casual fan is, is familiar with. So I don't want to talk oh, about yeah. this yet. Because yeah, they're yeah. they're getting back to the way business is supposed to be done. Yeah, they're 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 preseason number one, uh overwhelmingly uh for a reason. I want to talk about everybody else first. We could talk about Alabama later, but like rooting for the Death Star is boring. I want to know you as somebody who knows ball and and knows this the this league very well, what are you most excited about not necessarily the best team but the the most interesting team and the most interesting storyline heading into this year yeah there's there's two or three things that kind of pop out um i guess we can start in the east um you can start with kentucky the will levis thing the will levis experiment experience whatever you want to call it kentucky is trying to purport themselves as kind of nfl light in the way that they play offense which i know a lot of people may think is kind of surprising but the scheme that kentucky um is is running uh it is has roots in the sean mcveigh kyle shanahan system um they're basically not basically they are trying to do that i mean i've literally talked to mark stoops about this <laughs> um so they went and hired liam cohen um from the rams last year he went back to the rams as offensive coordinator um and now they have rick scangarello as offensive coordinator um and and he comes from the 49ers. The interesting thing about it is, is Levis. And I've talked to some people uh, on the NFL side who agree the arm, the arm is at an NFL level right now. The tape is not NFL arm, not NFL tape. Okay, fair. He's got another year to figure it out. Um, All of the hype that you're hearing and all that stuff comes from uh, just people that have, dug into him this year it's funny there's a there's like a point in time when like everybody who scouted all the guys on georgia's defense during the draft process they got to the kentucky game and in the kentucky game levis pops in the kentucky game to an extent um remember this is a defense that allowed 10 points per game 
Like nobody did a lot against Georgia's defense last year besides Bryce Young. And so it's very funny that, that you know, if you're really looking with a fine-tooth comb, Levis popped in that game, um, even though obviously Kentucky did not win. I want to flip over to the other side of the ball. So you, we, we, everybody knows you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Bryce Young and you, probably his, his teammate uh, who, who finished right behind him in, in the Heisman Trophy and Will Anderson. Outside of those two guys, uh, in, in terms of the, the defensive guys in, in across the SEC, who, who should somebody know that uh, maybe maybe he's not on their radar coming into the year, but will pop uh, by the end of the year? Well, you should probably know. <laughs> you should probably know the guy on the other side of Will Anderson, yep. Dallas Turner, because Dallas Turner gives Alabama the ability to pin their ears back and, and rush the passer and do some decrepit stuff on the back end. Um, and and really, really bamboozle folks. I, I should have sort of finished the thought on, on East teams elsewhere in the East, and it's it's more offensive guys. South yeah. Carolina, Spencer Rattler is the drug I cannot quit. Um, <laughs> it, the, the arm talent is there. The NFL tape has been there in the past, if you're that kind of person. Um, Spencer Rattler is incredible, and I think what Spencer Rattler can bring to uh, South Carolina, if he's right, and there's a lot of people in in and around that system that think that getting him out of kind of an air raid vibes offense and into more structure under center, fix his feet, all that kind of stuff, um, make him more on time, ha- have him throw over the middle a little bit more um, and, and do less kind of freelancing and creating. I think people think very highly of South Carolina and what Spencer Rattler could possibly give them. So I'm, I'm really looking for South Carolina to surprise some folks. Um, Tennessee is, has become something of a darling. My SEC network colleague, Roman Harper said they're going to go 10 and two. We had a spirited debate at the ESPN college football seminar earlier this week about that. Um, look, Tennessee's going to score a truckload of points. They are, um, that offense doesn't really have an off switch. Um, but on defense, what is Tennessee going to be And that? That is what I think is going to be really interesting um, for the Vols. That if nothing else, Tennessee is going to be pretty entertaining, and there's there's points for that as as the neutral observer. Sure, I mean it is a, a dumb question from a non chalk person, but is is the concern about Tennessee's offense and, and their system is that they're not really able to play complementary football, like the the kind of North Carolina yeah. issue where you yeah. can score forty, but some of these guys can hang up fifty. Yeah, and that's what, like that's a lot of what comes from um and that like that's not a tennessee issue you know what i mean yeah. like again like you mentioned north carolina like it, when you when you play that kind of high octane offense it's difficult um it's difficult um but to to answer brian's question which i should have done um obviously jalen carter who a lot of people on georgia thought may have honestly been better than Jordan Davis, at least as far as like a professional uh, football prospect goes. Jalen Carter is incredible. I cannot wait to watch him do similar things to what Jordan Davis did last year on the inside. Um, What like (laughs) Auburn, (laughs) Auburn's going to be something, but I do think on defense, on defense, they got something. Um, So what is Derek Hall going to bring for them on defense? Um, you know, is he going to be good enough to kind of keep them, um, bumper pool at Arkansas. He's a guy to look for. He's in his, you know, ninth year <laughs> as, uh, yeah. playing college football. You, you um, and I did bumper pool SEO stuff together at SB nation. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, and then LSU has got a pair of, uh, interior, uh, defensive linemen. Uh, LSU, I think is going to be one of the better defensive lines, uh, in the, in the conference, if not the country. You, you mentioned Auburn there, and and yeah. is is that going to is there going to be a referendum on on the Tigers every single week of the season, win win yep. or lose? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to like 
imagine what the best case scenario is for Auburn. I'm not even sure what Auburn wants to be on offense. I don't really understand a way where we're not perpetually Auburning every two weeks, right? Is, is there is there a pathway for some stability? Yeah, the, the crazy thing about Auburn is like it's, you know, Brian, to your point, like it doesn't even, there's no ramp. Like let's, let's say, uh, let, let's say Jim Harbaugh came in this season on the hot seat. Just let's say that. Could you imagine? Go, right. Go look at Michigan's schedule. There's no way Michigan doesn't start the season five and oh, right? Yeah. Auburn they're, does they're, not have that. Yeah. <laughs> like Auburn, there's a very plausible two and two start for Auburn through September. Um, and obviously Penn State comes to town week three. So like there's no ramp up here. There's no like like you to your point, Brian. Yeah, it, it really is going to be at a point where I think it's going to get week to week. Um, October is also not kind to Auburn. Uh, once they get, I think Georgia is like the October 1st, something in there. Um, and, and yeah, October is not very kind to them either. So yeah, it's, it's, this is going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing every single week. Um, and, and short of them, you know, going nine and three, 10 and two, I, I think we understand where this is probably headed with Auburn. Um, unfortunately, and and I do think we're going to have to slog through a season of it. For for those who uh, are ha- not having this conversation while having two different tabs open to FBS schedules, which is what I do uh, every day in August. Um, for if you're if I assuming I have this correct, Auburn's first it does have open the season with five straight home games, which is nice. You've got Mercer, which okay, you should that you should name your score. Uh, a sneaky, potentially decent San Jose State team. Penn State, Missouri, LSU, um, three and two sounds. Three and two, sorry, three and yeah, two. Yeah, not two three, and two. I mean, I mean, honestly, you could see a world where worse than three and two is possible. Absolutely, three and two definitely on the table. And then you have back-to-back road games against Georgia and Ole Miss. Um, not ideal. Well, I, I'll, I'll throw this out there: Will we get a resolution on Alan Green, the AD? His contract's up in, in I believe, December, January, somewhere around there. Will we get yeah. a resolution on that first, and then Auburn will make a decision, or will this be the case where, hey, things go crazy given 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 it being Auburn? Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> God, that situation. Um, yeah, yeah, as far as athletic director Alan Green goes, I, I, I don't know if I'm Alan Green. I, I, I think everybody knows the score here. You know, you're you're in your last six months of an AD, four months of an AD contract. I think everybody knows the score here. For Alan Green, I, I think, you know, rehoming, finding a different home, um, is is probably the way forward here. Um, and and the look forward here. I obviously I know Green has been in on other jobs yep. over the last couple of years. Um I can and, that too. And and been rumored for a few jobs. Um and, you know, maybe it wasn't the right time or maybe it wasn't the right fit, but I, the clock is ticking on January. And and I don't really see a, a true life raft for him, given how I expect this season to go. Well, I want to talk about a different program that has very high expectations and has a, has a reputation for booster extracurriculars, not nearly in the same way as Auburn, but a, a often complicated situation nonetheless. I want to talk about Texas A&M, Texas A&M, preseason top 10 Texas A&M. Texas, Texas A&M with a outside GM budget fund, whatever you want to call it, that's right up there. It's basically all the entire MLS. You know, there's a lot of, there's no question about resources. There's no question about expectations. And um, they have not 
achieved typically at the level of those expectations here in a while. And this is not, this is still a roster that has a couple of question marks. What do you think is a reasonable expectation for this AM team? Is this is this a team that's ready to compete for a playoff spot? Or is this a team that's ready to to compete for a very nice January bowl game? Or something, are we making Jimbo Fisher jokes again? No, I think with AM, the goal is Atlanta. Now it's gonna be a tough road to hoe with what they've got uh, October 5th, but the goal is Atlanta. If you're gonna talk this talk, okay, show it. Now they've they're replacing. I think a, a little bit more than people may, you kind of can't really hand wave away what they're replacing, yeah. but I do think you could feel confident in Jimbo's recruiting and development to stock that. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot more, frankly, about Miami in that <laughs> week three or four game that they week, play in week, college week, station. Week three. Yeah. This is, this is a, actually a sneaky, fascinating schedule for AM. but yeah, Miami yeah. is, uh, is coming to town. I, I think they I think they'll I think we'll learn a lot more about Miami in that game. Um because I'm not I'm not too bullish on Miami's chances in that game legitimately. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if I had to handicap it, probably 10, a little bit more than that, um, on the road for Miami. So I I, I don't think you're gonna learn a ton about AM, but it, it I personally think it's gonna be the same thing it was last year where we're talking about do you have a quarterback or not? pretty much all we're concerned with because they have a quarterback you can obviously paper over some of the things that that need to get in shape <laughs> before october I, they play bam october 8th excuse me yeah. um before october 8th comes around um yes it's just AM is AM is interesting AM is i do not think playoff ready but i do think the proof's got to be in the pudding here as far as this eight and four, nine and three stuff. The other games on the AM schedule, they're opening with one of the premier FCS teams in the country, Sam Houston, which is, I mean, they're going to win by a lot, but whenever you play one of the good, well, FCS te- teams. technically FBS now. So, oh, are, 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 is, it, is it this season? Cause like they're still playing a mostly uh, one of those transition teams, but uh, I yeah. believe uh, letter of the law, they're technically an FBS team now. So, okay. A, 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 I think that's 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 stolen valor. That's that's <laughs> stolen. FBS yeah, they're, they're still sure. at okay. uh, probably probably what seventy scholarships. You know, they, they might, right. so might be over sixty five, but uh, they're, play, they're playing a tweener. They're playing a gentrified FCS team for, yeah. for, for this season. I, I I say that with love, right? You got App State, who should be good. I mean, I don't know about beat A and M and Kyle Field good, but good enough to make A and M fans cuss at their television in the third quarter. Good, I think. You got Miami, uh, and then you have UMass at the end of the season. If you want to see a dead body, um, which is you know, which is which is their version of of, uh, of SoCon Saturday, um, but I mean you 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 should get to see A and M sweat a little bit before that Alabama game, or, or demonstrate what they really have on offense. It yeah, has and then, been a minute since we've had Jimbo Fisher's had a quarterback. He's yeah, had and the quarterback recruits, quarterback, different thing. The back half of October can get difficult for them too, depending on what South Carolina is going to be this season. Yeah. That could be a sneaky, interesting game. Um, and then, yeah, the, the point about the quarterback thing is interesting. And and the point about Jimbo to me is very interesting. What Jimbo, what have you done to this offense to adapt it, to make it a little bit more quarterback friendly? Um, you know, these are not professionals who are, you know, on time over the middle at all costs. That yeah. was Jameis. I don't have that right now. <laughs> I haven't had that in a little bit. Um, 
So, you know, I, I do think he's probably brought things a little bit down to earth. I think he's probably a little bit less reticent to run the quarterback than he was in the past. He's evolved. But, yeah, I, who's going to play quarterback for them and who's going to play it uh, at the level that they need? But what about what about defense for the Aggies? Because I think that uh, is also an in, intriguing side of the ball. Just yet, you have DJ Durkin coming in, uh, somebody who's who's familiar with the league. But uh, you know, I, I think everybody's saying, you know, can, can that unit kind of carry them? Certainly for, through that early part of the schedule until they can not only find the guy at quarterback, but really find the guy that can elevate them on offense. Is is, is the defense up to the task uh, with with DJ Durkin coming in? Yeah, I, I think so. Just because of the talent they've got, a lot of the talent comes from the back end, right? With A and M. Um, I think with AM, you're hoping now I, I I can't remember the fallout from the Anaya Smith situation on offense. Um that excuse me, because that escapes me. But you know, you've got McKinley Jackson up front. Okay. Um, you know, you've got uh, J- uh Antonio Johnson on the back end. Um, and, and you've got guys that I think you feel good about on uh on the secondary for AM. So with that being said, I think there's an assumption about what AM is on the lines of scrimmage and up the middle that I think is carrying a lot of the perception about them, right? They're big, they're strong, they're building it up the middle in the trenches the way you're supposed to do it. What they may have at skill position and or quarterback remains to be seen. But what they have, um, you know, where it kind of matters, where it kind of counts, especially in the SEC, I think you feel good about it. There's another, there's two other examples, I think, of where popular expectation might not meet immediate roster composition. And it's one thing to talk about those programs, about what they might look like in three years. Those are, those are fascinating thought exercises, but that's different from what they look like right now. And I want to start with one that's, of course, near and dear to your heart, Florida Gators. Florida Gators. Yeah, they're uh, allegedly, uh, never heard of them, Um, seem to have a quarterback. Um, We'll see. Are, we'll, see. we'll see. Okay, okay. We, we, we can talk about that. Like when, when I think of Florida over this offseason, I think, okay, they hired 700 people and their message board community absolutely pooped their pants in May over recruiting. And now that looks much better now. But um, what what this team could potentially be this season, buttressed with reinforcements from Lafayette and kind of rearranging parts, that seems to be an open question. Like it, it is kind of surprising to me to go into this the beginning of the season and think, they're probably going to lose to Utah, which did yeah, not Florida, seem like a likely thing when that game was scheduled, right? Florida has probably the worst two first two games. Because, look, if Ohio State came into Gainesville and they played Ohio State and they lost to Ohio State, people, I think you can rationalize and say, it's Billy's first year, they don't have the talent, Ohio State's the best team in the country. Fine, dandy. Utah is going to come into that stadium and attempt to drag you to hell with them. And they're going to make it hurt. And it's not going to be fun. And it's going to be 23 to 16 with like two touchdowns in the second half. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be an aesthetically pleasing game. And it's going to be um, like 300 degrees. And like, it's going to be unbelievable. It's, it's at night and it's going to be hot as hell. Yeah. It's Trust me. Smell. It's, yeah. Um, so I, I, I think the thing with Florida this year is I am a pump the brakes on Anthony Richardson person. Okay. I think if you, if you drew a quarterback up in a lab, they don't look much better than Anthony Richardson. I get it. Anthony Richardson has completed 39 passes in his career. Let's relax. <laughs> the deep arm strength is there. Yeah. It's a pretty ball, but there is more to being a quarterback than that. Let's see it. Let's give it a second before we pencil him in to the first round. It's a little bit like the Will Levis thing. 
let's give it a second here. The arm talent is there. The physical tools are there. No question. But let's give it a second. Um, but yeah, I, I think a lot of what Florida is doing is a longer term build than people realize. It just is. And, and when you're chasing what they're chasing, which is yeah. up the road in Athens, that is not, it does not change overnight. It does not happen overnight when you're trying to chase those teams. And when you hire a million people, when you beef up support staff, all that kind of, when you finally get a legitimate indoor football only facility, which they just unveiled about a week ago, when you finally get those things and you like a lot of what Florida is doing right now, isn't necessarily kicking on into the, into the sixth gear. It's getting up to speed with everybody else in the station of the sport that Florida purports itself to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, that we, you, you and I have talked about this. I know you've talked about this on, on your show a lot there too. The, the goal is to win national championships and you, you the, the program sees itself as one that, that has this potential, but the infrastructure, both physical infrastructure, uh, uh, personnel infrastructure, cultural infrastructure, all of that stuff had not kept up with the Joneses. And then suddenly you're recruiting in the 18s rather than the twos. And in and, and this division that, that, that matches up. The, the other example, and of course, one that's going to be tied to the hip for Florida in a lot of these conversations over the next couple of years is LSU, um, who looks like they made a somewhat surprising decision at quarterback and also have a, a couple of, 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 of roster question marks, a, a challenge. I, I, I totally forgot they're playing Florida State, like the beginning of the year. Like that's like the one. You could tell me, you could tell me anything. Is going to happen anything? in that game. Anything yeah. is going well, to happen I mean, in that game. I, I've come around to thinking almost anything can happen with this season, right? Yeah. Like Brian Kelly knows ball. Uh, could they come around and potentially go ten and two? Like that seems possible if 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 they if they hit on everything at QB. Could there be a, a a locker room revolt and and cultural issues and they get a little bit unlucky and like and go five and seven? Like that doesn't seem impossible either. What what what? Where do you see? Not future LSU, but like immediate LSU for this year. Dude, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. This is a safe space to say that. God knows I I say that all the time. I have absolutely no idea what LSU is going to be. I have no bearing for it. I I don't know. I am LSU is more than anything. My, okay, let's wait and see. Okay. (laughs) I just, I I don't know. Roll it out there and let's figure it out. Let's figure it out on the fly, which I think they will be. I think LSU probably has a, as good a chance as anybody to be a way better in November than in September team. Sure. Um, I, I think they'll need to be because that November is hellish. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I know you didn't, you know, I, I know we're not talking about the the future, but like I'm very bullish on Brian Kelly in the future. Okay. Um, I just am. But yeah, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, you can, the range of outcomes for LSU seems so wide, just so wide this season. Oh, that's fun. It's an interesting time, too, because you you have LSU kind of rebooting and and bringing Brian Kelly in and and changing a lot of things off the field as well. You mentioned the Florida, the new facilities. I mean, that more than anything, bringing them up to par. Had some resets recently uh, kind of across the SEC, obviously chasing Alabama and Georgia. Who's going to get the close closest long term? You know, we, we we've talked about this this upcoming season. Who in your mind though is 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 really providing that base to to truly challenge uh, kind of the top two in, in the league uh, long term? I think A and M because of the money, because of the money, because of how they're building it. A and M's as good a bet as any. I long term, I look at LSU and I say, all right, because of what because of what I think of Brian Kelly. Now, my problem with Brian Kelly is 
is he going to try to Notre Dame it in the sense of coach up four and four and a half stars to try to beat and compete with five stars? Because I've watched that song and dance happen in Gainesville, Florida for the last 10 years. I can tell you how that ends. And it doesn't matter how good a coach is. I think the world of Dan Mullen as an X's and O's offensive coordinator, offensive play caller, and yet. So, I, I, you know, I, I, I wonder that that's the long-term wonder for me at LSU. The long-term wonder is recruiting-wise, are they going to do business the way it's supposed to be done in this league? Or are they going to try to maximize very good instead of great slash elite? Speaking of the way that business is supposed to be done in this league, this is a league where you have halves that are dropping lots of money and have gigantic history and tradition. You have some that are not. Is there any reason for a casual fan to care at all about anything that happens with Vanderbilt or Missouri or any of the other you know, proverbial dregs of this conference? Is there is there something personnel-wise or storyline-wise that you're interested in? Yeah, I think the Mississippis are going to be interesting, um, uh, especially Mississippi State. This is like year three Mike Leach type thing. And like, look, yeah. you say what you want about Mike Leach. This shit works, man. I, like it just yeah. does. It just has. Uh, okay. All right. It's year three. Let's figure it out. Um, I, I think that, you know, I, I, I think that as far as the bottom of the league is concerned, you've got a level of parity in the SEC from like three to 10, maybe three to 12 even that I don't think the league has had in a little bit. You can tell me anybody is going to finish in any order, and I'd be like, all right, cool. Like, I can see it. Um, so I, I don't know how Missouri and Vanderbilt factor into that because those yeah. are the two sitting at the bottom that is just – it's not looking great. Um, I, I think Vanderbilt has an over-under of two and a half. I would take the over there, frankly, um, but yeah. it, two and a half is not awesome especially after you lose your best offensive lineman probably to Alabama. To Alabama. Um, that's not great. Friends, do, um, do we know where off the top of our head where Vanderbilt opens the season? Hawaii. Hawaii, yeah. That's right. And Open Hawaii, they play, I believe, Northern Illinois also in the non-con. Yeah, um, on the road swirly. in both places. Maybe, that, maybe, maybe I should go to that. That Northern Illinois game is not for the faint of heart, the way Northern Illinois runs the ball. I can tell you that right now. Okay, well, um, we should go to that then. You might want to when they they if they topple an SEC power. Well, power uh, an, an SEC an team. SEC budget <laughs> an SEC budget. Well, even that. Um, so, <laughs> you know, um, so yeah. As as for what the bottom of the league is going to be, I, I'm I'm curious how far the parity really does extend. Um, when we when we get into it. Yeah, I mean, on paper, it seems like Alabama probably the best team. Vanderbilt probably the worst team. Missouri, Missouri probably second worst. Probably second worst. But yeah, I mean, if you wanted to throw six through nine, six through ten in a in a Yahtzee cup and spin it around, yeah, I mean, that all seems you, any order there seems reasonable to me. I mean, is Old Miss in particular kind of the one of the highest ceiling, lowest floors of that group? Just given just given all that Lane Kiffin has brought in, obviously new quarterback transfers all over the place, some new coordinators. Like, I mean, it feels like of, of all the kind of chaos teams out there in the SEC, Ole Miss might be one of the ones that uh, you might t- put top of the list, right? Yeah, I'm weary of all that stuff coming in, honestly. A lot of change. Yeah. Flubby gone, Matt Corral gone, you know, uh, Elijah Moore gone. Like, I'm, I'm worried about that. 
I think when you get too transfery, I don't, I don't know. It's it's transfers are never a, a long term harbinger of success. They're usually a band aid. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm a little curious uh, about Ole Miss this year. Not exactly bullish. Somebody does have to lose these games. Wait, that's the other thing. Somebody's <laughs> got to be bad. Yeah, and it and may be it, it may be you're losing a lot of one score games. It may be things swing back the other way. Arkansas, um, you know. <laughs> Somebody's yeah. got to not be great in this division or in this league. Yeah. And you can be not great and fun. I imagine, I mean, to, to your Tennessee example, I imagine I'm going to enjoy watching Ole Miss. I have enjoyed watching them play the past couple of years because they play, they have played to me and a st- very aesthetically pleasing kind of dumb football where uh, even though the, that defense has gotten better, will there be big plays and lots of points? Yes. Could I see something I've never seen before when watching this game? Yes. Uh, is this a game where fans will throw a new kind of object onto the field? Uh, will will there be 40-yard chunk plays in either direction? Yes. And will it ultimately matter for the national championship? No. Perfect. Low stakes, dumb bullshit. I love it. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to watch lots of Old Miss football this year. Yeah, um, no, yeah, be chaos. Be chaos. Yeah, the platonic ideal of a good college football game, in my opinion. Um. <laughs> Are there any uh, – just to shift away from the players here for a second. Are there any coaches other than the Brian Harson-Auburn situation that you're looking at and think like something needs to change here on the field or off the field or things will be made – changes will be made for them? Is there, like, is there a job that people should be monitoring? No, I, I kind of think – kind of. Okay. Absent of the surprise head to the NFL – I kind of think we got some labor peace hmm. in the SEC this year. And oh my God, is that going to backfire on me in two and a half months? But I kind of am projecting relative labor peace in the SEC. From the man who said Alabama was going to go to the uh-huh. Bowl. <laughs> Can you hear it here, folks? No, no. Well, you can't fire a coach every other year anyway. If you got some new people or people still on year two or their contract or not where you can necessarily buy them out. Then. I do think, like, yeah. I, I mean, if Missouri goes like 0 and 12, I think maybe we're having a conversation. But yeah. I kind of think that if, even if they're just like garden variety bad, it's probably a wait till next year situation. Um, that's the only one I'm kind of looking at there. Then again, you always, there is always going to be movement. I mean, that, you know, there's always going to be movement we can't predict. There's always going to be somebody's going to go to the NFL out of nowhere or whatever. Sure. I'm, I'm definitely holding out you know, that as a possibility, because that can definitely happen. But as far as straight firings, it's kind of looking like labor peace. Love to see it. Do you have anything else, Brian? Uh, no, not. Well, I, I guess the only thing that I, that I can think of, just because we're, we're talking in the wake of, of the Big Ten deals being announced and, and the billions that are flowing in uh, to the schools up north. And, and I'm yeah. curious, what, what is the SEC reaction? Not just to, to that, but knowing that they are not number one uh, in, in terms of that, that taking. Now. We'll see. Certainly, uh, you know, when, <laughs> when uh, Oklahoma and Texas come into the league officially, uh, you know, what kind of sweeteners ESPN is, is going to throw in on that. I'm, I'm not saying you, you need to speak ill of, of your employer right now, but uh, in, in terms of the kind of sec response I, I i know there's a few folks around the league that um you know are just you know, biding the time and, and and they they do think some some increases are coming but it, it's not like, like the sec already enjoys that that big gap compared to everybody else i, I i'm just kind of curious how, how you think they're going to react to all this talk this offseason has been about the big 10 and, and how they're going to take that going into uh this 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 actual college football season 
I think the first lever that you pull, nine conference games. Do it. Enough already. Enough. The second lever that you pull, and this is my conspiracy theory. I don't care. This is unfounded. Everybody that I've spoken to up until this week says it's not going to happen. Oklahoma and Texas are not playing football in the Big 12 after 2023. I don't care. All right. I do not care. Figure it out. Find a way. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money now. And not even just the like, oh, it's a lot of money where like you kind of roll your eyes. No, it's a lot of money for them yeah. to leave. All right. It, it is nine figures. It is, yes. a non, it is a non-trivial amount for those schools to leave. But nine conference games, Oklahoma and Texas in the league earlier than you may think with the ABC primetime. I imagine ESPN would probably have to help grease some sort of wheel some way to make this happen. I just cannot see. I just cannot see it. I can't see this taking that long, especially when I think the SEC has taken this time to sit back and look at what the Big Ten is going to do and then counter. How do you counter? You've got two aces in the hole, I think, to really improve your plight quickly. Um, and really make things pretty sexy as far as a press release is concerned really quickly. I, I mean, how, how, how well do you think Oklahoma and Texas are, are prepared for the league? Not whether they come in you know, next year or the year after. I, I mean, how, how prepared are they as a program for what they're going to face week in, week out in the SEC? I am not sure because I don't know how well either are prepared this season. And I want to wait until after this season to answer the question. Fair, I do, like, fair. I, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not going to say it's not a leap. It is obviously a leap to deal with the likes of Alabama and Georgia on, and I don't know, a week to week basis. Lord knows how they're going to do the schedule. Probably some yeah. kind of pods or stolen valor pods that they're not going to call pods. <laughs> Bill they don't wanna... died for the 16 team SEC schedule. Right. Um, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I, like, I don't think I, this is where I need to see Texas because I want to say, I don't think Texas is going to come in as a seven five program because I think Texas is going to be a little bit better this season. But I need to see it. I need to see it over there before I try to project what's coming in. Uh, that, that, that's fair enough. Richard, where can people find you talk about the SEC this year? Uh, I will be back with Spencer Hall. I'm thinking out loud Monday, September 4th, 7 p.m. is our first show. Um, and we run during the season on Monday nights at 7 Eastern. Thinking out loud, I am on podcast Split Zone Duo uh, with friends of the program, Alex Kirshner and Stephen Godfrey. We are also sponsored by the fine folks at Homefield Apparel. Uh, and then I am in the pages, the digital pages, I guess, of Sports Illustrated. Uh, and, and I'm writing over at Sports Illustrated. And, and physical pages, too. They still make a couple. Uh, of they do. They do. Yeah, your name, your name's in there. Um, so it's always good to talk to you, man. Thanks so much for taking a little bit of time. We'll catch up with you more this season for sure. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Friends, uh, I hope you've enjoyed all this conversation here about the SEC. It's an interesting conference, got lots of big brands, lots of compelling organizational storylines, whether you're a big football fan or not. But, but but real quick, I do want to talk about something that has nothing to do with the SEC. I want to talk about the Bucks. I want to talk about the Bucks that are now part of our partners at Home Field Apparel. If you watch this on, uh, on the video, I'm probably not supposed to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm wearing one of the shirts right now. It says, because I couldn't go for three which is the least problematic thing that Woody Hayes ever said. I feel like an important sentiment to 
uh, to wear for this show called Going for Two. This is when Woody Hayes memorably uh, went for two after beating the ever-living shit out of Michigan uh, when asked why it was because he couldn't go for three. Going for three will be our uh, extra show that we will debut on Peacock in the next year or two <laughs> so we can get <laughs> part of this this ridiculous Big Ten contract. But um, Homefield, of course, makes officially licensed, extremely comfortable, unique vintage collegiate apparel for almost every program. Big programs, small programs. Um, but they have not had my alma mater, which just happens to be arguably the biggest brand in all of college athletics. Well, that de- collection debuts this Saturday. I have three of those shirts here. I'm wearing one of them. There's two other ones here in my office that I, I, I can't share because I don't want to go help, get hauled off to home field jail. But one of them is black and red and says because I couldn't go for three. It's a great collection. And if you buy Ohio State stuff there, one, you help Ohio State show up as number one on the big new Saturday sales rankings, which is a deeply important metric for lots of reasons. Uh, Penn State is currently number one. Um, you get us money, which we then used to buy, sometimes buy more home field stuff and also sometimes to buy things like microphones or Lunchables or diapers. Um, and you help home field get money. And we like home field because they make, they make fun things. So you should buy stuff. Ideally, Ohio State stuff, but it doesn't have to be. If you are if you want to buy Florida Gators gear or if you want to buy a T-shirt of a Georgia Bulldog playing golf, you, you can do this. I, I almost wore that today. You I, almost I, wore that. I, I went with the uh, the old Texas okay. A&M Sarge shirt uh, you know, for, for SEC, but I almost went with, with the reigning national champions. But uh, that, that is actually one in my collection and uh, had some, some Georgia alums uh, by the house a couple days ago. And so uh, it, it, it's, in, it's in the wash. But yeah, some great collections uh, in, in the SEC, in the Big Ten and beyond. But uh, yeah, going to be interesting to see those sales charts on Saturday uh, when, when the OSU collection goes official. And uh, we know how big the fan base is. They like to crow. They're, they're one of the biggest fan bases, if not the biggest in all of college football. Well, we will put that to the test on Saturday and beyond. Uh, if, if Ohio State fans do not buy a bunch of T-shirts for our, our friends who sponsor the show, will it send me personally into an existential crisis? I'm not saying it won't. Uh, so when you buy that stuff, use promo code extra points to save 15% off of your order. That is extra points at homefieldapparel.com. We are going to be wrapping up our preview series in the very near future. We have a conversation scheduled that will drop soon on a uh, FCS football preview. We are going to go from the biggest brands to some that are are less big. We'll have the ACC to wrap this up early next week. Um, Like we had teased before, we have uh, uh, multiple newsletters this week on the Big Ten's gigantic new television contract, what this means for consumers, what this means for basketball, both men's and women's, Olympic sports, uh, the future of, of text and digital media, uh, and many more. You can find all of that at Extra Points MB. We also have a couple other tidbits in there about Division Two television deals because, by God, I am nothing if not perpetually on brand. Uh, Brian, what have you been up to this week that people need to make sure that they see? Uh, well, well, there have been uh, quite a few conversations on uh, Collegiate Sports Connect about this Big Ten deal with with you know, market analysts and and, and whatnot. Uh, some other conversations as well from some of our colleagues talking to you know athletic trainers and uh, all that they're going through nowadays. Um, given burnout in in that industry, what they're they're facing going into this upcoming season. So a lot going on in in terms of the diverse uh, nature of uh, conversations throughout college athletics on Collegiate Sports Connect. And as usual, whether it's details about the Big Ten deal, reactions uh, around college sports. Uh, to everything. You you can find that all at D1Ticker, which is a, a great resource, whether you're in the industry or you're even just a fan that uh, wants to kind of follow along with uh, a, a, an extra critical eye on, on all that is going on. It is the first email I read every morning. 
Last quick thing, uh, I don't think I've plugged it on the show before, but we are super excited. At least I'm super excited, but I think Brian's probably just regular excited, but I'm really fired up about this. New product we're debuting here called D1 Classroom. That packages cheapo subscriptions to Extra Points, uh, access to Collegiate Sports Connect, so you can uh, help your students actually find jobs in this field and also get to see all of the interviews that Brian and I are doing. Um, And then also some discussion questions about what's happening in the news both stuff that I've been publishing, our peers have been publishing, elsewhere in this company have been publishing, because we know that we have a lot of instructors that listen to this. And God knows that uh, you're overworked. You probably are teaching three or four course loads, finding textbooks for sports management, sports business, sports media is really is really difficult. They're very expensive. D1 Classroom is super cheap. It's four bucks a month per student. If you would like some more information, uh, drop me a note at matt at extrapointsmb.com. We also do bulk subscriptions and share some of this stuff for um, any organization that wants a bunch of subscriptions. So we have we've actually done this with newsrooms and we have done this with uh, conferences. I can think of, uh, I think we have two uh, conferences right now that have bulk uh, extra point subscription options here. So if your office um, wants a bunch of access uh, or your athletic department wants a bunch, I got you covered. Don't pay full price. Friends, uh, this has been wonderful. It's been a, it's been a very busy week. We're going to have some very busy weeks coming up soon. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for uh, reading and watching us wherever we are. We'll see you again very soon on the internet. Bye.